We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. Welcome to DF- welcome to Roto Grinders today. Welcome to Roto Grinders today. I'll I'll eventually get to the new name of the show borrowed into my mind. But welcome, Jordan Cooper, aka Blender at Blender HD. If you want to follow me on Twitter, and it's Monday, September twenty fifth. You know what we do on Mondays? We bring in James McCool, the co-author with me on the theory of daily fantasy sports fifteen hour audio DFS masterclass. You could pick up at theoryofdfs.com. Also, the Theory DFS for Advanced Players, which comes with James' custom Excel tools that I, that I used yesterday to build uh, my 10 GPP lineups on DraftKings. And uh, I hand-built. No, I, no, I, 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 no I, I didn't use the Excel tools, but I did use the optimizer for FanDuel. I built five FanDuel GPP lineups. Uh, DraftKings, I almost broke even in GPP, lost money in cash. Uh, FanDuel, I lost money in GPP, but completely obliterated cash games on FanDuel. 
Uh, it made it made up for it. And then props, I I, I landed a whole bunch of uh, six to sixes on prize picks. Mm-hmm. So very 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 good, very very good day on uh, on prize picks when you when you hit a twenty five when you hit like five, I think I hit five sixes sixes and seven fives. Pretty good because I because I round robin. It's it just to, just to be clear, it's like I'm using the same stuff and round robining it for mm-hmm. less and just pairing different stuff together because I like correlated uh, props. Yeah. Oh, like pair, I have twos and twos and twos. And then I just like, like, instead of like $200 for one six, it's like, well, I have all these single props and I'll just rotate them all around for like 30 bucks each. Mm-hmm. But 30 turns into 750 quite quickly or into 300 quite quickly. So uh, very good day on the prop street. James, good, good Sunday or bad Sunday for you? <clears throat> I think I broke exactly even. Exactly. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I broke like exactly even. Um, I was down a little bit until Adam Thielen caught that touchdown late, and then I broke like exactly even. I'm pretty sure. And what was your action? You 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 typically just play a couple of GPP lineups on, on DraftKings. Yeah, so I played I played three in the Wildcat, and then uh, three in the fifty dollar quality and the one twenty five quality. So okay. I just did those, and then three in the milli because whatever, it's a lotto ticket. Um, right. And then I had my cash game action. I got wrecked in cash this week. Um, well, what was your what was your cash lineup? So I mean, because I, I didn't because I didn't get wrecked in cash on on DraftKings. I I played probably I think one of the most popular lineups mm-hmm. that was played, and like I still won like forty percent of my head to heads. I think I won twenty five percent, and it's simply because I didn't have Tank Dell. Well, I didn't have Tank Dell either. Yeah, I think that, but I think that he was like. If I would have had him instead of Zach Ertz, because I did double tight end so that I could get both. Oh, oh that's where you went wrong. Duh. Yeah. Did you yeah. do the Ertz Smythe lineup? Yep, I did the Ertz Smythe lineup. So you, yeah. you did that. Uh, let me guess. You did that so you could jam in both Justin Jefferson and Tyreek Hill. Yeah. Yeah. And so if you, there, there were basically like kind of two routes that you could have taken. You either jam in both Jefferson and Hill, or you go Keenan Allen instead of Justin Jefferson. Um, And like, Life is hard. Um, looking back on it, like I ownership projections just were not good enough for me this week, uh, and that's where, like, with my strategy, that's going to fall apart a little bit. So, how is it? Uh, so, so to, to get get more deeper into that, why were not were were, were they off for you? I was, I was too low on Tank Dell. Oh, and, okay. So, so you you had his his ownership much lower than right. So oh, I had okay. him, I had him. I mean, I I had him way. I thought he was going to be the easily the most popular punt play on the slate. Right. So I was going back and forth on a couple different things. Um, realistically, what it came down to was Tank Dell or Adam Thielen. I thought that Adam Thielen was going to end up getting more ownership and take away a little bit from Dell. He didn't. Who um, wants to play that dude? Are you kidding me? Well, he, I mean, he ended up being great. Like he put up 33 fantasy points. Yeah, and, he ended up being old school Adam Thielen. I'm, I'm, models, I'm, I was perfectly fine with that dude, I was perfectly fine with Thielen. I'm just saying, from an ownership perspective, people like the shiny new toy and not the old it. crusty guy. I get it. And and I understand, like, I talked through it a little bit after the fact. And I was like, man, yeah, I really should have. I should have just gone with Tank Dell and pushed his ownership up. Because what I thought was going to happen was people, there was a lot of talk about Adam Thielen leading up. And I thought that was going to steam him up a little bit and take Tank Dell, Tank Dell down a little bit. Um, and that didn't end up happening. So, 
if I was, if I had higher ownership projections on Tank Dell, I had him somewhere in the 10 to 15% range. If I have him in the 20 to 25% range, which is where he actually ended up, I absolutely would have ended up with him. And I think what probably would have happened is I would have had, so I played Kirk Cousins, Joshua Kelly, Jerome Ford, Justin Jefferson, Tyreek Hill, Christian Kirk, and then Smythe Ertz in the Jets defense. Okay, if, so you, you opted for not paying up at running back at all right and playing ford who truthfully luckily got there <laughs> yeah well i yeah right he did luckily get there but I, I'm, 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 unless unless snaps then the, the beginning of the game like it's like is this guy like this guy may get a zero zero things are bad uh yeah. the, the vibes the vibes were not terrific early right. in, this in cash the vibes were not terrific early in cash i was doing terrific in gpps i i cashed all three of my gpp lineups this week Right. Um, here's, and here's, that's, that's what saved me, right? But right. in cash, I just ownership projections. I just didn't do a good enough job on them this week, and that was kind of my downfall. So right, and here is my good. cash lineup from DraftKings. That you know the lineup that I could have played. I was debating between two lineups, and of course, the lineup that I would have played would have done way better. Yeah, uh, is that I tried to avoid playing playing a cheap wide receiver. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, the range of outcomes on those wide receivers are, are ridiculous. I also didn't think that Tony Pollard at 8K, when we have running backs in the 5K range that are perfectly viable yeah. and underpriced are worth playing. But if I were to pay a little bit up, like I thought that the 6K wide receiver range was kind of barren. Mm-hmm. So other than Mike Williams, if I were going to play anyone in that range, it would have been Travis Etienne. Yeah, right. I can see that. So my my the lineup I was debating was either this lineup that's up here, right? Jefferson, Williams, Kirk, Smythe, Madison, playing Moss, Kelly, and Madison, and the mm-hmm. Jets defense. I had instead of Christian Kirk, Tank Dell, instead of Alexander Madison, Travis Etienne, and instead of the Jets defense, the Bills defense. Yeah, and that was the other big thing, right? Was Bills defense. I didn't have the Bills defense. A Jets defense. Right, um, was, they were they were twenty five percent owned. In cash game. Yeah, I mean they they were they were high owned, but but in some of my cash game optimals, I was getting the Bills defense, and so that was another spot where it's like, all right, well, so Only I mean, I just think what twenty nine points, twenty nine points. Yeah, it's, it was pretty big. I scored one forty point five eight. If I end up with the Bills defense and like, and I wanted the Bills defense, and I was a hundred dollars short, so I played the Jets defense. Right. Well, the same for me. That's this lineup. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so it just the, the, there were there were a couple different directions to go uh, in cash this week, and I didn't think that outside of Joshua Kelly, I thought that there were going to be a lot of different ways to go in terms of a ownership optimal, the way that I usually go. So it just came down to like kind of rough, I think, for me for this for this week in terms of trying to nail down what direction the cash game should have been because usually when I run a cash game optimal. There's like six players that are just like in every single lineup. And this week there were maybe four, I think. So those extra couple slots, that that's where I get kind of bogged down a little bit in cash. And um the tank Dell thing, I that that ultimately was the spot where I fell apart the most. Because if I had Tank Tank Dell higher projected in ownership, I think what I end up doing was probably getting him over Ertz. So there's an extra 26 points. And then probably, I don't know, a cheaper defense, I would guess. Um, you get the commanders. You get the commanders' defense. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. But I mean, I still would have scored one sixty. Yeah, you would have been fine. You would have something. 
Yeah. It was just Tank Dell. It was just Tank Dell. Right. So. And then on FanDuel, FanDuel, uh, yeah, I, I I scored a lot of points. Like at at, at one at one <laughs> point, heading into the late games, I was like 14th in the milli. <laughs> Right, with with my cash lineup. Obviously with the Josh Kelly two point two, that yeah. wasn't gonna I mean, I was just gonna fall from there. But yeah, like my I I mean, and these guys were not this is the twenty this is a twenty five dollar like a hundred and eighty one man double up or something. Yeah. Like look at these ownerships. It's not like I'm playing like anything that's out of the blue. The thing is is that I played the Bills defense on FanDuel where everyone was playing the Jets defense at thirty nine hundred. Wow. And also people are playing cousins, right, instead of Lamar Jackson, who I thought FanDuel, he's always more valuable on FanDuel than right. he is the rushing game. stuff, yeah. right? Because of the right, because you don't get bonus, you don't get three hundred yard bonuses on on FanDuel. So like, I prioritize playing Jackson, and really it came down to like I'm playing Laporta. The the three running backs I was going to play were Mostert, Kelly, and Madison, and it, and Jeff Jefferson was going to be in my lineup, and it just came down to like, what do I want to do with defense in these two other wide receiver positions? Yeah. And I'm like, do I play Chris? I was already, the thing was, is that I was already playing Christian Kirk on DraftKings. Mm -hmm. So I decided not to play Christian Kirk because I could have replaced Amari Cooper with Christian Kirk and then the Buffalo's Bills defense with the Jets defense. And then I look at my lineup and it's practically the same lineup I'm playing on DraftKings. So it's like, given the choice and the difference of projection of very little, I'll be a little bit more diversified. I I mean, you got Mike Williams here. Of course, Mike Williams catching the ball from Keenan Allen, <sighs> right? The, the, the How do you project that one? Man, I I was tilting so hard at that because, like, I don't think that I have ever experienced in my DFS career running so good that I would have both of my 30% owned wide receivers throw a touchdown to one another. <laughs> I have never run as hot as the sun like that, and that instance just broke me yesterday. Uh, let's talk about GPPs. Yeah. One thing that I that error on my part, uh-huh. I didn't do. I did not do. I didn't say a good job, but I'm just saying I did. I do what I normally do. Running back. This is the milli in Results DB. Obviously, you could pull this up RotoGrinders.com/slash/ResultsDB. It's it's free. I believe it's still free. Yep. So feel easy. free to go there and look around all you want uh, with all the contests yesterday. But I did not get ownership on the running backs. Uh, correct. It was hard this week. It was hard this it, week. It was it. The the thing was, you have to factor multiple things. Okay, so the way that I do ownership in my you know artistic sense, not in any scientific sense, is first off there there are multiple variables that affect ownership. One, how many people are using projections, right? So I see I see all the projections, and if you run lineups and optimizers, you could see. Who gets in lineups more than other people? So you got that. So those are the people that you that use optimizer projections, stuff like that. Then you got uh like top play type of stuff, right? Guys that project well, because in the running in the running back uh running back this week, there were like there were 10 plus options that were totally vi- like if I saw them in your lineup, I'm like, okay, that I think that's fine that project decently enough together to each other. But then it comes down to like, who do want, who do people want to play more? And there's, there's not like, I have to think of like when I said about Thielen, Thielen or Tank Dell, it's like, people don't like clicking on Thielen done easy. Right. And then the third one is just sentiment analysis. What popular sites and podcasts 
mm-hmm. are what are, what are the narratives being driven, and you have to weigh that against one another. So, like, if we take a look at the Millie, like, I did not have – I had Josh Kelly as the highest owned running back, which he did come in. I expected – see, the, the, the situations here were, okay, how much weight is being put into Jerome Ford's game last week? Mm-hmm. And then that's recency bias. And then you also have the narrative of it's that he's going up against the Titans' run defense. And – are people going to want to click on that? And then you have Jameer Gibbs that the word comes out the day before. Oh, he's going to get a majority of the work. Well, how is that going to affect how are people, people want to click, people want to click on him. And now they give an even better reason to click on him. Then you've got guys like Alexander Madison, the best game environment on the entire slate. And one of the better projections on the entire slate but I also know that people think he's garbage. Right. Right. And then you have like guys like Miles Sanders that, that people don't want to click on. Like they, they used to. And then like Tony Pollard, people do want to click on, but he's also expensive. Right. And then Mostert is there and on a Miami team without Salvin Ahmed. Are people going to want to click on him? People want to play B. John Robinson. I didn't realize how much they did. Cause I think that ownership is ridiculous. I thought the odd me- the odd people out on the slate would be Kenny Walker and Travis Etienne. And it turns out they came in the second, third highest owned running backs. Even though I did play, I did have Madison projected lower. Mm-hmm. I, I like, I had Madison. I mean, this is the Millie. So obviously I'm not playing the Millie. I'm doing it a little bit for slightly smaller fields. Like I had Madison for like 14% ownership. When he probably should have been eighteen plus percent owned, like I had, like I had like Etienne at twelve, and Walker at ten, like stuff like that, and then I had more of Zach Moss, like dude, Zach Moss I had is like the second highest owned running back on the entire slate on DraftKings, mm-hmm. and he comes in at like eight percent owned, because I look, he's like the only ba- guy in the backfield, like, right. like he he pro- if he went by projections. He was the top projected running back. His usage was crazy in week right. two. But I mean, do people want to click on him? No. And is it the type? And also, he's on an underdog, mm-hmm. right? So people looked at that. I I heard the narrative multiple times throughout the week that Zach Moss is going to be popular. But do you really do you really want to play the running back? Is he really going to get pass catching work? Like people were trying to poke holes. Trey Sermon was activated, was coming up and it's GN Jackson was got rid of. And I, but I thought the projection people would boost up the, the ownership. So like I made it a point to play less of Zach Moss and look at the owners, looking at the ownership now in my, in my 10 lineups on DraftKings, I, I, I played, I would have played less Walker and Etienne as I did. Even though <coughs> well, and I would have played more, more. I mean, I already did play more of Madison in my lineups, but like, but I, I played like I, I I played Mostert. I played Madison. I play I played one two Mo, like I played Moss in like a Baltimore lineup. Mm-hmm. Lamar plus Andrews plus Flowers plus Moss, like something like that. But to me, like the own the like, I don't know. I I didn't think that people typically people don't want to play Kenny Walker. Mm-hmm. Right when we have guys that are cheaper, I don't, I don't, 
I don't know what I don't really know what happened there, but I mean, obviously Bijan's way over owned. What what were your what were your thoughts as far as like projecting running back in general? Like I said, this week was it was hard. It was hard to project running back specifically. Um, I thought I well, I knew that Joshua Kelly was going to be the highest owned player, and I also knew that he was worst play on the slate. Um, there was the just, worst there was, play on the slate. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, like, how do you project? How do you project that? How do I project him as the worst? How, how do you how do you project the Chargers throwing twenty two out of the first twenty five plays of the game? Well, you don't project that, but you can you can reasonably project that Joshua Kelly is not going to get the receiving work, which is the only valuable piece of running back role in that offense. Like he he has never eclipsed. I I don't think he's ever eclipsed a higher than ten percent target share when he's had the bulk of the work with that offense. Um, week two, he only had like six percent. Uh, like week one, he only had like three percent or something. Um, he's just he he doesn't get the receiving work. And the only reason why Austin Eckler is valuable is because he gets the receiving work. Other than that, like the rushing role for the Chargers is not that good. So, so uh, ultimately, ultimately, you're saying that, and I I I make these comparisons often mm-hmm. on on my my Saturday stream. Joshua Kelly at 5400. If you just if you just eliminated all the receiving possibility, is not the only the only thing that makes him any different than Brian Robinson and Gus Edwards. Yeah. At these prices and and AJ Dillon, like Isaiah Pacheco, like he just happens to be in a good game environment, but ultimately he's just a rushing and touchdown dependent back for a similar price. Like if you look at Gus Edwards and said, How do you play him? I was gonna say or, for Pacheco, or like Pacheco, purposes. even on the Chiefs had a 30 point total. So it's like like yeah. that's a great game environment for him to score. Why aren't you playing? Pacheco over Kelly. Yeah. If you if you take out the possibility of receiving. For all intents and purposes, Joshua Kelly and Gus, Gus Edwards were the exact same play. Like they were both, they both had pretty decent team totals. They both are just running backs that get the rushing work uh and don't really get much receiving work. That's those two are the exact same play. So at ownership, so when when I was running the contest simulations, um, by far Joshua Kelly was the worst play. I think he was 20% over owned. Um, he should have been like, he was only showing up in like 4% of the offers in the contestants. So it's like at 25% owned, I said it on my Saturday stream. Like if he's really going to be 25% owned, if he stays at that, it's a gift. Like there's just no reason for him to be 25% owned in this spot. Um, so, you know, Joshua Kelly, we knew that he was going to be high owned. People were talking him up for whatever reason. Um, and then Kenneth Walker. So I didn't think that Kenny Walker was going to be that high owned. Uh, I had Travis Etienne projected relatively highly. I think maybe 16 to 18% or something. I had Tony Pollard projected highly. Um, I didn't have, like I I had Raheem Mostert probably somewhere around like 20%. So I was fine eating that. And then he comes in at 12% in the Wildcat. And I'm like, what? What are we doing here? You know, like I, well, let, I me, probably... let me bring up the wildcat ownership because this is gonna this is the quote sharper field, right? Compared to the million, yeah, right. I mean, I play, I played, I mean, I played most of it on Fanfield primarily, but but they, you can see here, look at look at the how the difference in Madison ownership is in the in the wildcat, yeah, right. Walker is lower, like you see here that Pollard is higher, Kelly is higher, 
Etienne is a little bit lower. Walker's a little bit lower. Madison's much higher. Ford's about the same. Gibbs is about the same. Moss is higher. Dylan is higher, right? Sanders is higher. But then we go down. It's like, like where, where? Right, who are we looking for? Well, Bijan Robinson was only 10% in this, whereas he was like, right. what, 15% or something? Is Bijan even here? Oh, yeah, he was not yet, yeah, 9.6%. Yeah, Miles Sanders was higher, right? I mean, I mean, of course, I'm building my ownership a little bit more for this size contest, 5,000 entries. Yeah. So I'm a, I'm a little, you know, I had, I had Kelly, I projected Kelly for, in my, when I ran my lineups at 32% of Okay, which yeah, is the sense. reason why I didn't get, but I didn't get that much of him, right? And which, I had Tony yeah. Pollard at twenty percent, but I had Etienne at like twelve and Walker at ten, and Madison yeah. I had around sixteen, eighteen. I had Ford at like twelve. Yeah, so I, I thought in the, in the in the sharper contest, less people were going to play Ford. I had most third of it. I mean, but I just had Moss for way more. I had Moss for like twenty percent. Like projection wise, you should be playing, uh, D- dude. Dylan projected. Median wise, well, also, I know. I'm like, I had Dylan at like 16% owned, and the Millie, he barely came in at like 4% in the Millie. Yeah. Well, I mean, the AJ Dylan thing, that's that's the recency bias thing. People just saw him last week be just like a, a basically Eddie Lacey reincarnate, right? <laughs> um, and like, they don't want to play Fat Eddie. So, uh, I mean, I guess I get that one, but yeah, I, I agree. Um, the Zach Moss one was weird. Uh, I thought that he was, I think I said that him and Mostert were the best place on the slate. Um, and that at ownership for sure, they were, uh, uh, 12% and 12% for both of those guys is crazy. Uh, I would have had Mostert on all three of my lineups if I didn't have a Miami stack. I just was not going to play him in a Miami stack. Um, you have to play both their running backs. Right. Yeah. It's freaking arcane. Imagine, imagine if I told you. Imagine if I told you that the let's go to the Millie. I, I believe I'm right, right? That Miami put up 70, 70 points and yeah, the Millie never had a single dolphin in their lineup. Who? That Miami puts up set no no he uh oh no no he had him. Okay. Yeah. You didn't need him. You didn't like like that the that game went off and it turns out like there were enough points scored by so many other people that Mm-hmm. You didn't need Tyreek Hill. I think you needed Mostert. You needed Mostert, yeah, because he put up 45. I mean, I te- technically, you could have had a cane. Technically, you could have used a cane. And, and what, how do you even get there? Get I, some in chat. It's like I played a chain in a few lineups and those went. How do you even do that? I think in the Millie you can do it because Salvan Ahmed was out. What does he project for? What is that? How much could you project for that guy? Hold on. I don't, I don't remember what I projected him, but I can check. Probably not. I mean, what, what was he in the middle? I mean, top 1% lineups. Is there any? He was 0.3% owned. He was 5,000 salary. It's not like he was 4K even. He was 5,000. <laughs> yeah. Um, hold on. Even if you project him for half the work and no receiving yards. I didn't project him for half the work and no receiving yards. <laughs> I projected him for 3.9 points. So. Okay. So, so that's so. <laughs> like I, you know, I, I back not... back and like oh you could have thrown in him in the millie it's like yeah good luck a 5k running back projector four mean points i would not have played him in the millie because i have projections but i can see somebody who doesn't have projections saying 
that most are is not going to have the full work and that they're going to use a cane or something. I don't or know. Or he's going to get injured, right? They just – yeah. recently biased. Nick Chubb just got injured. And the That's backup true, running yeah. back won, right? So – yeah, Squirrel Patrol literally won a million dollars because of running back injuries. So why can't somebody else, right? Yeah, but the thing is, is that that the the starting running back scored the second most point. Like, <laughs> like it's like, oh my god, I got I played Devon a chain and got fifty plus points out of him, and I'm playing against the guy that probably knows what they're doing. That played Mostert and other slots in their lineup that were much better because the guy that played Devon a chain also has Donovan Peoples Jones. Right. And and yeah. uh, and and Evan Ingram paying up for for Mark Andrews, and then he's playing. Uh, he ends up with uh, with some injured guy in the wide receiver slot. I mean, like like those types of lines. Yeah. So get some. I'm a Dolphins fan. I knew Miami was down to two workhorse running backs. That's that's the way that you play a game, right? Okay. That's how. I, and I get all that. the talk around them. If you're going to play a point three percent on running back, you might as well just jam in. The best plays and the best projection everywhere else. Yeah, yep, totally agree. So, how about wide receiver? What What do you think about the split between? How did you project? Here's a question: How did you project Tyreek Hill with Waddle out? Because in terms some, of ownership, well, I'm not not even compared to ownership at this point. Is that Jeff, Jeff Jefferson in uh, the Millie was 36 percent owned? Tyreek Hill was 22 percent owned. Mm-hmm. A lot of the ownership is a byproduct of, of the Vikings chargers being the game. Right. So if you were playing other pieces from the game, it makes more sense to play Justin Jefferson in those lineups mm-hmm. than play Tyreek Hill in those lineups. But several projections actually had Tyreek Hill, who's 300 cheaper for a higher mean score points than Jefferson. But you also have to admit that Jefferson's range of outcomes is a little bit narrower because Tyreek has a lot, you know, 180 plus, you know, six catches, 180 yards. While Justin Jefferson is like, like he has more like nine for 130s, right? A little bit more catches, a little bit less yardage. Did you project Tyreek? How did you project Tyreek compared to Jefferson? It didn't, I mean, ultimately it didn't matter. They scored about the same amount of points. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, I had, I had Justin Jefferson slightly higher by about a point and a half. Um, in terms of median, just because of his reception total. Uh, in half PPR, had him about a point over because I had him for a little bit more yards. So I had Justin Jefferson a little bit higher. Uh, as far as the ownership stuff, when I was doing my show on Saturday, I was talking about Tyreek Hill looking underowned. Like as far as when I was running contestants, uh, he was like 20% underowned or something when he was projecting for 10% ownership. But it was very clear that he was going to jump up into like the twenty to twenty five percent range after the after the Waddle news came out. So um, I had Justin Jefferson higher, but I also I don't know I I I didn't think that Justin Jefferson was going to be thirty six percent owned. I thought that with Tyreek Hill coming up, I thought that we would see Justin Jefferson come down a little bit. Initially, I had him around thirty five percent. I thought he'd be thirty, and I thought Tyreek Hill would be twenty to twenty five. I thought they'd be way closer. Um, Ownership did not condense the way that I thought that it was going to. People just stuck to their guns and played Justin Jefferson instead um, and paired him with that Chargers and Minnesota game. And that just goes, you know, there, there's been a lot of talk lately about uh, whether contest sims would stop people from game stacking and stop people from doing bringbacks. And it has not stopped people. It, it's not stopping people. Uh, and that's because people still don't 
understand things that they're seeing when when they're running these these new tools. Um, and also, not as I said this when I was breaking down what contest sims do to the industry. Uh, one, people don't understand what they're seeing when they're running these tools. Two, not that many people are using these tools. <laughs> I have a subscriber today. Today, it is Monday of week three. Said, oh my God, the contest sims give you lineups that you can see. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. It's week three. Like, you ha you haven't used them yet to, like, see that, that this is how they work? It, people are not using them. People don't understand how to use them. So uh, people are still going to continue to be using bringbacks. So people are still going to continue to be using game stacks. And I think that we're... You can still do, but you can't. I mean... You can as long as they project well, but don't you don't you're not forcing stuff in. That's not I what I'm saying. That's, that's that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that the field in general is going to continue to do the things that they think have been good and will continue to work over the last three years. Right. I do not think that we are going to see this year and probably for multiple years. I don't I don't think that like people still don't even really know how to use optimizers, Jordan. People still don't know how to look at a median projection and understand what it means. You think people are going to understand contest simulations and be able to apply it? Right. No. They're going to look at contest simulations and they go, why am I getting Raheem Mostert and Tyreek Hill? Right. And and Durham Smythe without Tua in this lineup. And why is that projected for highest ROI? Like, right. like yeah, the Dolphins put up a bunch of points, but some cheaper quarterback 
gets there with someone else. Like this is right. this is how this is how this operates. Like there are outcomes where this is the case, and mm-hmm. and I've I've been learning more on being more adaptable to instead of doing like mini game stacks, doing mini team stacks, preferably. Meaning that, for instance, very similar to baseball. So think of this concept. In baseball, you stack on a large slate, you're much more likely to stack. Now, obviously, you're probably stacking on any slate. But I'm talking about five-man stack DraftKings type of thing. 12-game MLB slate versus the four-game MLB slate. Right. The reason why you stack is not because it's cor- it, all, all, the, all the batters are correlated to each other. Yeah, that's correct. But on a 12-game slate, there are 24 teams playing. And if you stack the team that scores 10-plus runs, you're most likely going to have five batters that are going to win you a GPP, mm-hmm. right? Most likely. Of course, there's pinch hit. There's one guy. Average judge hits all the home runs, and that's it. I mean, there are other outcomes there. But most likely, if you could find the team that scores a ton of runs this slate, right, in comparison to the rest of the other teams, you're going to win with that five-man stack. Mm-hmm. Now, there's 24 teams to choose from. A four-game slate, there's only eight teams to choose from. So there's only four games. Maybe no no team scores that many runs. So you're not going to – a stack is not going to be necessary. But as you add more teams to the slate, the more and more likely just by opportunity that some team is going to put up a ton of points, is going to score uh, – in NFL, is going to score five, six, seven touchdowns, right? Is going to have – uh, a quarterback that puts up 400 passing yards, right? In that type of game, regardless if it, regardless if it's a close game or even if it's a blowout, just is what team is going to put up 35 plus points? Now, if you look on a 12 game NFL slate, well, you got 24 teams that could do it, right? It's probably unlikely to be, you know, the Jets, right. but it's the same thing as it's unlikely to be the Pirates in MLB. I mean, it's the same exact type of thing on a smaller slate. Right, the less teams there are on a slate, then like the less likely that any of the teams, because there's just less opportunity. So on on these main slate, large slates, especially before the bye weeks come in, like I've been building more, I've been looking at at least, maybe not choosing as many of them. I've been building lineups and I'm and I let I let the projections go where they go. Mm-hmm. Right. And I just see and I go, well, these these two guys on the same team project well. So I I got I got lineups with like Damian Pierce and Tank Dell. Right? And then no Jaguars. And I'm like most people would be like that this doesn't make any sense. They said well, who said you need the Jaguars? It just means that those well how come no CJ Stroud or anything? Well, some other quarterback scores higher than that. I saw lineups with like Josh Kelly and Mike Williams because obviously they both project well and no Vikings. So like, that's fine, right? I saw lineups with Lamar Jackson with no one, right? Lamar Jackson one side, Zach Moss the other side, and then both Williams and Keenan Allen. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, how do you play those two wide receivers without playing Herbert at quarterback? It's like, well, what happens if Lamar Jackson rushes for 100 yards and, right, and, and scores 40 points? But Justin Herbert puts up 32 because Allen and Williams are doing well. Like, like these lineups 
have win probabilities. These lineups have similar win probabilities as the ones that, quote, make sense to you. Now, that being the case, heuristically, if you have no way of figuring out through simulation what these weirder type of lineups sort of look like, you'd probably be better off heuristically building the stack lineups that you have been building mm-hmm. because the amount of EV you're giving off, as long as you're playing well-projected players that are under-owned, you're probably fine. Mm-hmm. But when these weird, some of these weird, quote, weird lineups win and you go, wow, they played two guys from this team and then three from that team. Dude, take a look at some of the, go to the Roto Grinders top leaderboard for NFL. Start taking a look. I, it amazes me that people have not pointed it out. Some of the top MME players, a lot of their lineups are onslaughts now. Mm-hmm. A lot of their lineups are quarterback and three people from one side and none from the other side. And then two players from some other team in another game, right? Some running back, some they're playing, you know, Damian Pierce plus Tank Dell. And then there's an, it's, it's an onslaught of Tua, Tyreek, Craycraft, Smythe, and the Dolphins defense or and Mostert. And, and, th- and then you look at the lineup and you go, how could everyone get there? Mm-hmm. Dude, we've seen it. Everyone can get there. The thing is, is that those lineups also, if those teams don't get there, very similar to MLB, you stack the team that gets, a, you know, one hit, you know, by, by the garbage pitcher, like your team's at the bottom of the standings, right? Yeah. Like, like it adds a ton of variance and people are not over stacking enough because they look at these lineups and go, it do, it doesn't make it doesn't make any sense from a football perspective, but from a contest outcome perspective, it actually does. Mm-hmm. I'm yeah, assuming you see you see similar stuff in your in your in your Sims. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you see I weird see, stuff I see comes out that, that doesn't make any sense, but it doesn't make any sense to the naked eye. And then you look and you go, well, yeah, I guess this could happen if this if yeah, it's quite possible that you know. Justin Fields is the highest scoring quarterback and none of the other bears get there and none of the chiefs get there either because their, their offense is all spread out. And then you end up with a triple stack of the chargers. And you're like, how do I play a triple stack of the chargers without playing? How do I play Allen Williams and Herb and, uh, and, Do- and Donald Parham in tight end mm-hmm. with no other Vikings. And then Justin Fields at quarterback. And you go, well, if all three of them get there, shouldn't I be playing Herbert? It's like, well, in some simu- in some versions of depending on the ownership of fields, field scores forty points against the Chiefs, and Herbert only scores twenty eight. And you're going to need the Chargers stack and Fields in order to win that large of a field contest. Yeah, and I, I see both extremes. I, I see a lot of I see a lot of no stacked lineups, like lineups that have like a quarterback that like I'll see I'll see uh, Josh Allen is one that I see a lot. Where I'll see Josh Allen naked a lot in contest sims. Um, or I'll see like Lamar Jackson is another one, Jalen Hurts is another one. Like these these quarterbacks that have rushing upside, you see them a lot naked in contest simulation outcomes. Um, and then on the other side of it, like you'll see somebody like Matthew Stafford with like Puka, Tutu, uh, Higby, and then also Kyron Williams. Like that, there are. I just ran things, and like there are some lineups where you have like literally just the entire Rams offense, and then no bring back on the other side. 
because they win some percentage of the time. Right. And that's important to understand and realize. And so, like, yeah, if you have one lineup, maybe not, that's not the one that you're tying your wagon to. You know, maybe, maybe that's, you don't want to take on that much variance, right? That's where we start talking about ownership. That's where we start talking about rush construction, wind conditions, all that kind of stuff, right? We talk about a lot of that stuff in theory of DFS, but uh, like there is some percentage of the time that it wins. Your job as a DFS player is to weigh how much it wins or how much of your bankroll you want to allocate towards those wind conditions. And if you have a portfolio of 150 lineups, um, a good example of this, you remember when we talked about the live final, the, the baseball live final, and how he had the, the lineup that won was the fourth lineup that he made out of five, or no, the fifth lineup that he made out of five. It was the last lineup that he made. And basic every single hitter in his Tampa Bay stack was 1% owned. He doesn't make that lineup if he only has one lineup because. Well, you can, no, 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 you, I don't want to get, no, he can. No, no, no. What, what he's, I'm taking saying, on a lot, he's taking on a lot of risk by doing so. But but we know from what happened that he would not have built that lineup alone if he only had one lineup. Right. He didn't from, he a, ri- from a risk perspective. Tired. Right. It doesn't mean that the lineup in and of itself is bad. Right. It just means that there are higher expected value lineups that he could have made outside of that one. And then with his fifth lineup, and I guess I'm speaking for him here, right? Like he he could he could have a completely different system. But the way that I look at it is his expected value was higher. He played his, he out of his five lineups, the first one that he built was the highest expected value lineup. And then the next one, a little bit lower, and the next one, a little bit lower. And he worked down the list and then eventually said, nobody is going to play the Tampa Bay stack. I'm going to have a Tampa Bay stack just in case it goes off. And it went off. Kind of the same thing here where we're talking about it with NFL. Like if you have 150 lineups and you start at the top and you dedicate more of your bankroll and more of your portfolio to the higher expected value outcomes. And then you work your way down and you work your way down the lower list of expected value. And then eventually you're going to have some subset of lineups that are like a Ram stack with Stafford, Kyron Williams, Tutu Atwell, Puka Nukua, and Tyler Higby. And like maybe have two of those lineups out of 150 tonight. But, like, those lineups win some percentage of the time, so dedicating some bankroll to it makes sense um, based on the ownership and based on how many people are going to have that combination of things, especially if we're dealing with dupe counts. Some people have their eyes just spinning in, in their head <laughs> as I'm going through No, this, because but... you're, not, you're talking about risk. You're not talking right. – you shouldn't be using the term expected value here. Sorry, risk. You're you're term, right. The term about risk and variance. Sure. For instance – the lineups that like, oh, this weird lineup that's underowned and still decently projected can have a higher expected value than a lineup that makes sense to you. You're right. The thing You're is, right. is that the risk of the lineup, like the distribution of how that lineup realizes its EV is extremely skewed. Right. So think of that. Think of terms of you're building 150 lineups. If you're, bu- if you're building one lineup or 150, it's not... Well, the highest Eve, no, you're building lineups where if I have like what I did with uh, with my DraftKings stuff, it's like, like, oh, I have 10 lineups. I think I think Alexander Madison is going to be under owned here. I could play him in 10. I could play him in zero. It doesn't it doesn't matter on the specific player. Mm-hmm. I'm going to build lineups. I played a Desmond Ritter lineup. Gross. Why that Desmond that? Ritter lineup likely had a similar expected value to my Justin Herbert lineup. The thing is, is that. The Desmond Ritter lineup 
What is its distribution of outcomes when it comes to payout and realizing that expected value? It's either you win or you you don't even you don't even cash. You don't even you're all the way at the bottom, right? The Justin Herbert stack, right? With with Matt like Herbert Allen Williams Madison Moss, you know, cheap tight end, Bills defense lineup, you know, like that may have a very similar EV. The thing is, is that a lot of that equity comes into three Xing and five Xing right. and two Xing. So like its payout distribution is is a little bit more, a little bit, a little bit safer, a little bit less va- less variant. Mm-hmm. You may not, you may not win first. A lot of times when you do well, you may come in fourth instead of first. And the Ritter lineup actually wins first slightly more often. It's just that when it doesn't win first, it doesn't even come close. That once you balance that out over a hundred thousand trials and on a hundred thousand sims, both lineups go together and they go, yeah, both lineups have the same expected value. But and you go, well, I'm definitely. Why shouldn't I play the Ritter lineup? It's going to be so much lower owned. It's like, yeah, but you're taking on so much more risk in that lineup versus the other lineup, which means you can if you you're playing twenty bucks and you have a, a billion dollar bankroll, feel free to take on as much risk as you want. But if you're playing a very large, a much larger percentage of your bankroll, you're probably much more likely to take less risk. That's a percentage of your bankroll, not how much raw money it is. Which means that if you're playing 150 lineups in the Millie Maker for 3,000 bucks, like, do you want to play 150 Desmond Ritter lineups? Even if they show a positive expected value? Now you can. But you you could be throwing you could have an easily a minus ninety eight percent day by doing so, or you're taking down almost all of the entire prize pool when you do win. If three thousand dollars, if you have a bankroll of ten thousand, I would never even consider. I mean, that would be ridiculous. Thirty percent <laughs> of your bankroll, and you're playing one hundred fifty Desmond River Ritter lineups. But let's say you have a million dollar bankroll. If you wanted to do that, that you know, you're, it's less than one percent of your bankroll. So go do it. So. That's perfectly fine. So most top MME players build risk into their portfolio. So they have a mix of lineups that some are, some are chalky, some are not, some are a mix. And they, they want to retain that on bad days. Maybe they still get 50, 60% of their money back. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry for that, for using the wrong term there. Right. It's risk and volatility. It's not EP. Um, Also, why did you play Ritter lineup? Why, Why not? Dude, I'm gonna do. I'm gonna. I'm gonna commit. I'm gonna commit one Falcons lineup. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. Drake London. Drake London is gonna pay off at some point. It's a question of whether Arthur Smith hates Drake London. Arthur Smith hates Drake London and Kyle Pitts. Hates them. There's no. No, Falcon Stacks, I don't understand why. There there was somebody in the Discord who was talking about Falcon Stacks. They're like, yeah, Ritter's my boy this week. I'm like, why are you doing this to yourself? Like, why like why even and he's like, it's just a no ball play. You know, it's just it's just, you know, I know ball and and Ritter's a good play. And I <laughs> I can't I couldn't fathom why anybody would play Desmond Ritter this week. He didn't project well. He didn't, like the Falcons are just a bad team. Like they're or actually I shouldn't say they're a bad team, they're a bad DFS team. The second most owned run of quarterback stack in the Millie was CJ Stroud. Yeah, Houston is throwing the ball like 90 times for the first two weeks. They're fast-paced, high-pass rate team. Like, that one makes sense. Taysom Hill, 
I, that, he was that's, at tight end. that's terrible. That's terrible. Taysom Hill was a tight end on DraftKings. I think this is, we haven't mapped in results DB to a quarterback. So, no, you would not play Taysom Hill in a quarterback spot, even at 3,300. 3, no. Right. Not. Right. No. Gino um, was only 2.6% owned. I, I, you know, that I played Gino. I don't think that Gino is a bad play. I, I kind of, this, this week was, was very top heavy. I didn't really see, I mean, I know that we're, we're getting ready to close this up, but I didn't really see any reason to like pay down at stacks this week. Um, and even like the bears, I, I wasn't interested in the bear stack. I, I kind of, I wrote them up earlier in the week. And then after I was running through things and, and looking at stuff, it's like, why would I expose myself to a team with a 17.25 team total? That, that that would, cost, and, that, and that point total was still too high. And it was expensive. That was the big thing. Like a Houston stack, man, you're spending 13.5K, right? Yeah. Like you're you're not spending your cap. A Chicago stack was like $17,000. Right, right. But Cole Komet was over 4K or something to use him in the tight end spot. Like Darnell I, Mooney and, and DJ Moore are not like 3K receivers. I couldn't justify it. I couldn't justify it. I, I just didn't think it, it just came down to like, if I'm going to play a team that has an 18 team total, like I'm much more likely to play a Houston stack or even like a, a New England stack, right? Like I'd, I'd rather play Mac Jones with Devontae. I played a Devontae Parker lineup. I had Devontae Parker in a lineup. Like I'd rather do that. I'd rather play Carolina stack with freaking Andy Dalton. It, it was like an, a Carolina stack with Andy Dalton, Adam Thielen, and Jonathan Mingo was like $12,000. And they had the same team total, the same team total as a Chicago stack for $5,000 less. I just couldn't justify it. The, the price was just too high. I think on the other end of the spectrum, I think that the edge this year is just ne- just taking the Chiefs and exiting them out of your player pool. <laughs> That's pretty bad right now. It's so no, not, not Not because they're betting, not because it's like, I know I know plenty of, plenty of sharp people that stacked like Mahomes and Kelsey and... Yeah. And it's like, like, dude, like eight people on this team could score at any time. And they run these plays on the, on the goal line that who knows what the hell is going to happen. I could see there, there will be a slate that Patrick Mahomes, that Travis Kelsey is the highest scoring tight end, Yep. but you may not need Patrick Mahomes because of his price and you'll play some cheaper quarterback, Right. but it's going to be very, like, I think the offense is spread out enough that it's tough to justify the cost of Mahomes plus Kelsey, even if you do throw in, like, who do you throw in? MVS, Sky Moore, Tony when he's healthy. You have McKinnon scoring. You have Pacheco and C8. It's Justin Watson's coming in. Rasheed Rice is scoring touchdowns. Like, this is, this the Chiefs, their their main purpose, if, if the NFL knew, if the NFL were catering just to DFS players, the Chiefs would be on every island game because they're the best <laughs> showdown team because of that. Because there's so many options. Yeah. But for a main slate, I just, I mean, I, I didn't play a single Chief in my ten GPP lineups because, yeah. I, well, what happens if the 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 Chiefs steamroll the Bears? Well, they did, and no one got there. Here's right? Because the everyone scored. Here's the thing with the Chiefs, man. Um, so that there's there's two things at play here. One. Stacking them is really, really hard because like you just said, like the, the, there's nine people that can score a touchdown on that team. Legitimate, like nine people. You don't get that with the Dolphins, right? Like they scored 70 points and four people scored touchdowns. Right. 
Derm's my but everyone played the twenty nine hundred dollar tight end in a, t- a game where the team scored seventy points and he gets two point five points. Right, he has one. I played. I played freaking Riverker Craft. He got who injured. got injured. That sucked. But anyway, anyway, um, with the Chiefs, right? So not only are there like legitimately nine players that can score touchdowns for the Chiefs, so stacking them is is, is a fool's errand. But if you say okay. I'm not going to stack with anybody but Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey. That's what most people are doing. So then the majority of the people, if you played Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, you're now competing with the most common con- common construction of Chiefs lineups. So like even then, like you're, you're trying to then compete with the other people that just have Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey. Uh, I think that Travis Kelsey is just the only Chief that you play. You don't Patrick Mahomes. There, is, there, there may be a slate where Patrick Mahomes separates himself at quarterback position. But but like it's on, it's less likely it. than the tight end position because truthfully, tight end this year, like like dude, we're gonna. I mean, let me take a look at this past week. Did and I mean, other than Laporta, it was Laporta. That was it. Like who scored well? Laporta Kelsey scored nineteen, but he was seventy two hundred. And no, and then Farrell Brown doesn't count because he wasn't even no one no one owned him. Right. Lockett's in 14, like Evan Ingram, 13. I, I, I don't, I don't think there's going to be, I think the opportunity cost at tight end is just so low Yeah. that either you're paying for someone that could greatly outscore everyone else completely, or you don't really, it doesn't. It well, doesn't I mean, now at this point, you're either, you're either correlating your tight end or you're playing Travis Kelsey. Like that's, I think that Travis Kelsey should be the highest, like Travis Kelsey is probably going to be the most valuable tight end through the entire rest of the year. If he's healthy, right? Like he just but needs DFS. He needs a lot of times on the slate, he needs 30 plus points. And then he also needs every other tight end to have 15 or less. And for but, but, but to play him. we think that most tight ends are going to score 15 or less. And he's basically the only tight end that can score 30. So right. like that equilibrium is legitimately there to where like he he should be every single slate he should be like 25 plus percent owned because even though the opportunity caught or even though his his the amount of points that he needs to score to matter is like 20 plus fantasy points that's like the expectation every single week and, and other tight ends they just don't have the ceiling you have to play two tight ends to get the same expectation as you get out of Travis Kelsey Right. Um, or you have to take a shot on a guy like Donald Parham or, you know, and, yeah, there'll be random guys that score a ton of points. Farrell Brown. Yeah, good luck. I mean, right. That's it's So I think Travis Kelsey, man, Travis Kelsey should be like 25 plus percent owned every single week. And if he's not, then there's edge on just playing Travis Kelsey every single week. Okay. James, people could find you paterdfs.com. God, what a cutoff. Yeah. Paterdfs.com. Uh, and you can find me on Twitter at pater underscore DFS. What what type of cutoff? I'm ending the show. It was it was just abrupt. We just we abrupt. just went from high energy to low energy, and it was just whatever. I, I could do it with more high energy. Okay, yeah, yeah. Lead lead back into it. Okay, and you could also pick up the theory of daily fantasy sports, right? How to think like a professional DFS player. Fifteen hour audio DFS masterclass by me and James. Theoryofdfs.com, the advanced player's guide, another ten chapters of audio, and a systematic, repeatable, time efficient Excel tools. For you to apply those profitable DFS strategies, this this high enough energy. That was Might good. Be high enough energy enough to follow James Pater at underscore DFS. Me at Blender HD. Give me those thummy thumbs on your way out the door. 
Tomorrow we got Will on for probably the last time we'll talk about MLB. For an MLB slate, whatever. We got one more week of MLB. We've got some playoff stuff. I guess we could look at some, maybe some showdown stuff in October before before NBA comes back. But he'll be on tomorrow, right? We got, also got props. We got prize picks. We got underdog. We got pick them. We got everything here. Scoresandodds.com, also our sister site for all the sports betting needs. And, uh, and I'll see you tomorrow. And, and send, in your, send in your questions. Questions at theoryofdfs.com because I answer them here Monday through Friday. 11 o'clock Eastern on Roto Grinders today. 